Hello, everyone. This is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are talking Manhattan. And John, we're getting, I think we're getting to a new phase in this whole crisis here, Johnny. Uh, I hope so. I would like to get past the acute, oh my God, there's a virus and everything is stopped phase. Yeah. And I call that the destruction phase. So like, so my, my, I got a theory on this. You want to hear it? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if now, I don't know if now's the time. No, of course I want to hear it, man. Oh, let's go. <laughs> now is the time. My now theory is, the time. is that, is that because of the nature of this, of this government ordered shutdown, right? This, this, this mm-hmm. cease of activity, the cease of action. Um, and I'm talking to a lot of brokers and, and I'm hearing that buyers want to do, they want to take action. They want to buy. Yeah. But they need to see the place. And I guess who could blame them? So I think that we're going to have three phases of this. I think we're going to have phase one, which is destruction. Phase two, which is going to be the bottoming and normalizing phase. And then phase three, phase three is going to be the recovery. Okay. And I think the recovery is going to be more like a reverse check mark, John. When have you heard that term? A reverse check mark. Think of a check mark. Are you talking about the shape of the recovery, like V versus U? Is that what you're referring to? I think it's going to be almost like a half V. A half of V. Okay. Take a check mark and reverse it. So we fell off the cliff. We had the V, the first part of the V, and I think we're going to re- I think we're going to bounce off the bottom and retrace about half halfway, and then we're going to kind of lull around that area. You know, we're not going to have a U. And I, I think it's going to kind of bounce quickly because of the the, the veracity of, of of the of the shock. I think it's going to um, you know you're going to see because there's so few deals, so few deals were signed. It's so illiquid. There is no market. And, and the height of fear really was end of March, early April. Um, so those deals, those deals were signed in mid-April and late April, et cetera. They're going to come out, in, like we said, July, August, September. They're going to come out in a couple months, you know, probably starting in, in four, five, six weeks, you'll start seeing them, but not in bulk for another couple of months. And you're going to see the, the price shock. You're going to see the price shock. So I think the price shock, you know, which, which already happened because, you know, those deals were already signed and we're waiting for them to close, I think it's going to kind of resemble a reverse check mark meaning we're going to have a big spike down. And then I think we're going to have a kind of a quick bounce back to that, but it's going to be only like a 50 or 40% retracement of the original fall. No, that's an interesting thought. I, I, if that could happen, that would not be so bad, I think. Yeah. And when I think phase, phase one, phase two, phase three, so we have destruction. I think we've already kind of had that. I think we've had phase one. I think we're entering a new phase. I think we're entering the, 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 the normalization bottoming. And let me just show you one chart. And then we're going to get to Stacey Froelich. We've got Stacey Froelich here, who is yep. a deal machine. And she's going she's gonna to talk. I've given her some liquid um, truth serum. So she's going to talk. That's um, right. So, so here's my three-year, my three-year chart on supply. And you know, this is what I'm talking about. So like real time, we only have three metrics real time, John, to look at. We have supply, we have pending sales, and I guess we have days on market and we have off market. Right, but I'm not looking at days on market because it's suspended. So I'm looking at supply, pending sales, and off market. Right, of those three, um, supply and pending sales are the most interesting to me. And when I look at this and I see, all right, here's the, descru- the, the destruction at phase one. This was when the whole all the sellers were just saying, all right, forget it. And and you know we're starting to kind of bottom and normalize right here. Now if I look at pending sales, okay, it's a different story. It's a different story. And I think, I think that, that's still in tank mode, right? And you can see it on this chart. So this has not started the bottom. We, we don't know where the bottom is of that yet. So I think, I think this is going to be defined by three different phases. I think we're kind of in that process of ending phase one and going into phase two. Um, phase three will be the recovery of these metrics, pending sales and activity of new supply. You'll see supply first. And then phase four, I guess, will be the, the big reveal. The big reveal will be in July, August, and September, and that's going to show us pricing. 
So with that yeah. said, John, I'm going to shut up. Let's go right to Stacy Froelich. Stacy mm-hmm. of Compass, she's, she's a, a, a multi-decade veteran. And Stacy, <laughs> I've known you a long time, Stacy. Yes. Since hair, right? You know, you've known Noah with hair, correct? Maybe. <laughs> Afro Noah. We should take that photo up. Right. Well, anyway, we, we know each other going way back to 2006, 2007, 2008, um, back in the old City Habitats office with the great, great Gordon Golub. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, please tell everyone about yourself and, and then go right into it. What are you seeing on the streets right now? Thank you so much for having me. Um, I really appreciate it. I think you guys have done an amazing job during this pandemic being leaders of the industry. And I'm really humbled that you asked me to join your show. Um, I am Stacy Froelich. I run the Stacy Froelich team. Um, I started in the industry in 2001 with the great Gordon Gallup and then went over to Corcoran. And then I have been at Compass. I was actually the very first Uptown agent to join Compass back in, oh, in September, it'll be six years. So nice. I was considered crazy back then and now a genius, which um, it's probably a little of both. Um, There's a little crazy um, in genius. So that's okay. Yeah, both, right. Um, but it's been a, a you know, wonderful journey and ride. And this is you know, just another um, part of my career. Um, I thought I had seen a lot of ups and downs before 9-11, you know, the Great Recession, um, so many other things. And this is obviously something brand new and unprecedented. Um, so, you know, we're fortunate that we have um, put um, eight deals into contract during this corona over the last eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, four of which are buyer, four of which are seller. But I think it's important to note that every one of those buyers had seen the property pre-lockdown. Okay. Gotcha. So you, have, so you don't have any sight unseen COVID deals? So we have had some of our buyers, like other buyers, try and take advantage of the uncertain times and put in low offers. Um, I feel lower than, uh, you know, obviously lower than I anticipated. Um, and, and I think it's also important to note that not one of those offers was, was accepted. So okay. I did a little number crunching and the average um, negotiation that the buyers made, some of which were sight unseen, some of which they had seen the properties previous, was about 17% off the current asking price and none of those sellers were interested in doing deals at that level. Wow, this, this right. is, I, I gotta pause for a second. John, could I just, this is awesome. This is awesome. So, so you're telling me of the buyers that you represent that bid and failed. Yeah. Their bid on average or on, e, on median? This was an average of 17.72% okay. off, uh, off the current asking price. Uh-huh. And the there's last only time. one that we're actually still somewhat negotiating, and that one was 14% off. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think we can get a deal done. Um, but, you know, that one might have been a little overpriced to begin with. And for the most part, were you getting a response or were you getting a no response from the sell side? So everyone has responded. I think, you know, the nice thing about it is that the um, most of the brokers are professional and they know what's going on right now. And no one seems offended. 
or, you know, shocked in any way. Um, I think everyone would like to try and work together to get deal done. And I think that's the beauty of our industry, especially right now. We're collaborating. We're trying to get deals done. Um, so it wasn't no, no animosity, nothing along those lines. Um, but it, the, the, the sellers are just going to wait. You know, I think it obviously depends on the motivation of the seller. And thankfully, none of these sellers were in financial duress, which would obviously change things. Right. But the reality is, we don't know what's going to happen with pricing. We can absolutely have our theories of what's going to happen, but no one really knows. So we, I'm telling my sellers, unless they really need to sell, like, don't sell under uncertain times and give it away because you don't know what's going to happen. So if you can afford to hold on to it, mm -hmm. um, then let's wait because I always find in any market uncertainty is the killer of all deals. And, and, and these are the most uncertain times I've ever lived through. So, you know, it's not the best time to make lifelong decisions. Right. And this, this especially goes to the role of agents today, which is that, you know, if you have an uncertain market, you have a wide spread between the bid and the ask, when this uncertainty, like when the market comes to a standstill like this, I mean, listen, it's all about the bids. So the bids are necessarily, they're, they're, they're going to drop away. They're going to be a certain level below. And it becomes a, a point of, well, what are the individual sellers thinking? And that's where the agent has to bridge the gap. It's either, it, look, it makes sense for you to sell because you're under duress or you know what, hold on. And, and, and it becomes a, a factor of advice for every single seller out there. And I'm just curious in terms of the sellers you're dealing with, are most of them thinking like now is now I just want to wait or are there some thinking, you know what, I'd like to engage these buyers. So we have 10 active sales listing on the market. We have continued to keep them on the market, mostly because of days on the market being um, frozen. Yeah. I will say, you know, Noah was saying that in the beginning that he's seen like three different phases. I agree that we're in a new phase because over the last week or two, I have mm -hmm. heard, I've received much more inquiries on our exclusive listings than I did before, yeah. um, which I'm excited about. I'm encouraged about. Um, but I, it's really, it's funny because it's the same thing. People are like, oh, send us a video tour, which we've done. Like I went out, mm -hmm. I bought the Matterport camera. I've done 3D tours on every property that's vacant. Um, and they say, oh, you know, send us the tour and we'll make an offer. And then they say, ultimately, we really have to see the property, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, yes, of course, but I can't show you the property. So whereas I think buyers like have this feeling like they want to take advantage of, of this uncertainty and get a good deal. In the end, if they're buying a primary residence, they need to see the property. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we just put on a rental, which that's one pivot I've made. I'm taking rentals, which, you know, I'm mostly a sales agent, but I didn't know what to expect. And I was very clear with our, it's an oh, co-op rental, mm -hmm. um, which is always harder. And I said, I don't know what to expect. Let's put it on as a coming soon. Mm -hmm. um, if we can get a video tour, then we'll activate it. Let's just kind of use the coming soon stage to just test the market. We were so inundated with uh, inquiries. Everyone wanted the video tour. So we got the video tour. We activated it first day, full price, sight unseen application. So renters are willing to see site to, to go forward sight unseen. Hmm. My guess is investors might be too, if they can get a certain deal. 
but I still think that a primary resident buyer needs to walk the property. Yeah. yeah and, I, and I think that's, and I just sorry to interrupt Noah. I think that's where we are. I think Noah illustrated it beautifully earlier, which is that, I mean, look, sellers can get ready for an active season by simply putting their listing on the market. It doesn't have to have pictures. It doesn't have a floor plan. It just has an address and like a coming soon logo, something it's on the market. It's good to go. And then it's a question of the buyers get that in their updates and be like, Oh, this seems like the neighborhood. I like the price. I like the size I need. Let me go see this one as soon as I can. So my guess is there is some pent up demand that we're going to see. And I, I, you know, to go back to Noah's reverse check mark, I think it remains to be seen what those buyers are thinking. But um, no, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. And I'm, I'm curious just to go back to your deals pending that were yes. pre-COVID. How are those buyers holding up? Are any, is anybody trying to renegotiate or um, trying to break those deals or are they still in contract? So pre-COVID, we had many deals in contract already. Not one of those deals have renegotiated. Um, nobody has pulled out. Um, now, some of the buyers, no matter what side I'm on, are not wanting to close. They want to wait um, because they can't move in mm-hmm. or they can't renovate. Um, so they're trying to delay the actual closing, which I totally understand. Um, some sellers are more amicable about that than others, which I understand. Both, you know, you want to sell, you want to close, you want to get your money in, and I understand that. But nobody has renegotiated. Now, the eight deals that we have in contract um, now, at the beginning, that were accepted offers, all, uh, three out of those deals were had were negotiated previously. They all need renegotiated. Um, but not very much, 3.5% from mm-hmm. the last accepted offer price. And we then we put a few new buyers into contract that negotiated during COVID. So we, you know, we negotiated a little more than we probably would have, but they'd seen the property previously. But our, our total negotiation of all eight deals from asking price to contract price is only 11.5%. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, sorry. That's wrong. It's 3.67%. Mm-hmm. It was from asking price to contract price. That's and that's one. skewed by one new development deal that negotiated 11.5%. Right. So, so less than that. Right. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, and I, I just, I pulled up a search here, John, and I'm seeing since the shutdown order, we, we've got 409 contracts signed since this whole thing. Stacy's got eight of them. You know, okay. um, <laughs> we've two accepted offers right now that we're hoping to get signed. All right. So that was my next question, Stacey. So, yeah. so, so I am of the mindset um, that w- within this period of, of, of dislocation, we're going to have smaller windows, smaller periods of time, like say a week or whatever, where the dislocation is more severe. Like, for example, I think in mid-March, and, and approaching March 20th and the lows in the stock market of March 23rd and, and again, the no showing order that came on March 20th, approaching that time, I think was much more fearful. Yes, and let me jump in and say, we did have five deals fall apart in that week. Okay, and that's, and that's when that, so two things happen during these extreme stress dislocation windows, which I, do, I don't think we're in right now. I think we're dislocated. It's not as extreme as it was in March. Two things happen, deals fall apart, and number, number two is, is sellers are out of fear and, and, and forced liquidation are, are more um, likely to hit a gap down bid, 
right? So, so those two things are in play, right? And, and they're competing forces, right? Um, at the end of the day, barely any deals happen. You know, if you look at that period, I'm, I'm sure maybe only 80 deals got signed. If you look in the last week, so now here's, here's where we are now. So if I look in the last week, right, of contracts signed, we're at like 47. What's going up? So what's, it's, it's, well, it's, it's going up a little bit. I mean, I think we got down to a low of 40 or so last week. I'm, I'm looking at this on a weekly trend, but it's still very, 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 very low, right? Um, and of these deals, how many are, are residual legacy deals like you've described had some level of element you know, uh, going on before COVID? Or how many are sight unseen types of deals? Yeah, I think there's going to be very few sight unseen purchases. It's just, you know, even the, the few that we've done with FaceTime, like where the owner is there and doing the FaceTime tour, you just can't. You can't yeah. buy a property like that, no matter how much we've tried. Um, but, right. it, but it's funny because if you, if you go, it's funny because if you go back to 2013, 2014, you had new developments on paper, people were buying them left, left and right, sight unseen. Sounds great. Sign me up. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, in euphoric times, you know, the herd-like mentality of, of, of fear of missing out and, and urgency, you know, there's, there's a high level of urgency during that period of time, 2013, 14, and into 15, especially in the new development sector um, and the luxury sector, which I think peaked, I would say, late 2014. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a question of, can you see around the corner? In 2013, 14, you, yeah. Look, you, you feel like you're going to get this property in two years and it's going to be already worth, you know, 15, 20% more. And now you can't if you buy, it's like, well, what's it going to be worth in a year? Well, we're just on the opposite sides of the spectrum. We're on the deflationary exactly. side of the spectrum now. And they were, we were on the inflationary side of the spectrum on the other side to the extreme. Because um, I also think with new development, people are more willing to do that because they weren't seeing like the, the things that the sellers have done to their properties, right? Like right. really do need, if they're brand new, you know that you don't have to look out for certain things where if they're a little lived in, you know, that you have to see. You have to see the crack in the tile and the, you know, the fact that the tub needs reglazing and all exactly. that. Right. Hey, Stacey, um, when I think of sellers uh, and I think of nervous sellers, um, how many listings you got now approximately? I know, it, you know, I didn't ask you that before. We so have I don't 10 know. active uh, listings right now, but we have 25 exclusive properties that we were planning <laughs> Um, as a team to most likely put on the market. Mm -hmm. um, so those are the people who I think are the most nervous, the people who really made their plans and we were starting to stage and paint and do the floors and prep for sale. And now those people are really on hold. And those um, people I've been really handholding through this process and trying to keep, uh, you know, I talk to them every Monday with an email with data, with what I'm seeing, what we're seeing in, from mm -hmm. your stats, from other markets that have opened, really trying to keep everyone calm and realize that, you know, in time we will get them where they want to be. Yeah. Could I, could I ask you kind of a, a, put you on the spot here for a second. I, you're doing business, which is fantastic. And even in this crazy slow market, but I'd love to, if you could sketch for us and I, I guarantee there's not a one size fits all, but just a profile of what a buyer today looks like with all the work from home stuff and the flight to the suburbs, all that talk. What does a buyer look like today? What are they looking for? And on the, the sell side are these people that are, what do they look like? Are they people who are leaving the city because of this? Or are they people who are just sort of transitioning from a two bedroom to a three bedroom? I'd love to hear some thoughts on what the profile of each of these people look like. Right. Well, I do think that one part of where I'm lucky in my business is that we work with a lot of, I work with a lot of families who 
probably were always planning on moving to the burbs in, in the future, but a lot of them have up their timeline. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's so sad to me um, because I'm getting so many calls from past clients about wanting to leave the city. Um, and I'm on like a, I love New York city tour, but of course I listen and I hear and I, and, and I'm, I want to help them accomplish their goals. I do remind them that this is a global pandemic and that it's affecting everywhere. And that if you're quarantined here, you're also quarantined in the burbs and you mm. have fewer food options there. But, um, so a lot of my clients are those people, sellers who are moving to the suburbs. So that's a okay. lot of my, my sellers, not all, but a lot, um, or have been renting their apartment and it's time, co-op time frame is up. Um, and a lot of my buyers, um, who are buying now, you know, need to be in the city for some reason, like, you know, um, or, you know, unfortunately, divorce situations, that kind of thing, or just wanting to, to get a bigger space. Um, and after this, a lot of people might realize that they need bigger space, or they need outdoor space, or they need a home office, or things like that, that they right. now realize that they need. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would just assume that today's buyer right now is, is one of your, you know, um, high risk, um, you know, uh, they love kind of bidding in distressed markets, fear of missing out, opportunistic type of characteristic kind of buyers. Um, I'm hearing a lot I of people- a few buyers who are already in contract to sell other properties prior to this mm. and they need to find a home, like they need to. So that's one. And then I have a couple of families who are solidified in their schools. Like they're not moving their kids. So right. they're the ones that are like, if I can get a bigger space right now in this environment, I'll make a low bid and I'll do my best to get as big a space as I can for my family and take advantage of the situation. Right. Yeah. And, and listen, I think there's just a lot of, a lot of buyers just waiting to view property. Like you said, I think they're just waiting to view property. That's the pent up. Yeah. We, we, we can't measure it. I mean, we say pent up, you know, usually, you know, when the markets are functioning, I hate that, that word, because I always think the market is what the market is at, at, at all times and it's changing and we're trying to track it. But now, now is not normal times because we're shut down. So we really do have pent up. And there are, are buyers that over the last two, two months have, have wanted to play in this game, but they just live by one cardinal rule. And that is, I would like to see the property and they have every right. I really blame them for that. You know, no. my fear is that we go back a little to like the beginning of 2019, which was actually, I mean, one of the most challenging yeah. to me environments to sell in and to represent sellers in because I never held property as long as I did back then. Like, you know, six months exclusives for the first time weren't enough. And, you know, it was very challenging to find a number that worked for both people, buyer and seller. Yeah. Um, sellers were really thinking that their properties were worth something and the buyers thought it was a totally different number and there was so much negotiation. And by the time we made a deal, everyone was pissed off. Right. So nobody was happy and it was really challenging market. And I kind of feel like in the fall, we're going to get back to that where mm -hmm. it's just going to be a lot of negotiation. Some deals just won't get done and some will, and you know, buyers will think they didn't do as well and sellers will think they gave it away. Yeah. And then hopefully the, the by 2021, the market will really start moving again. Yeah, the only thing I'm worried about is, is the lagging nature of sales and the and the and the misunderstanding that sales represent what's going on in the market today. 
and it doesn't. If you look at sales, if you look at sales coming in and you look at one week sales and you look at those sales and you look at when they were signed in the contract, first off, they're not even coming in. So Acris is not filing. That's number one. All right. Um, there's probably a whole bunch of sales that need to come in. They're not. Secondly, you look at them. We're back in like December, January, early February. That, that's where we are in terms of timelines for right. sales coming in today. So we're really four months behind or so. So you've got to wait. And I, I'm worried that the real-time market is going to be showing a retracement of activity. And we're starting to get We're going to start to see things come back. Um, of course, this is assuming that we could see property by then, you know, by, by August and September. But by August and September, September, when the sales come in, I'm worried, what are the headlines going to show and what are buyers going to think? You know, so those are two things I'm a little concerned about. But listen, we're running out of time, Stacey. I want to get one last question, very important, for agents out there. Um, wh what kind of tips, like how do you set your day up in this environment? How did you set your team up in this environment? Or what could you tell agents that are trying to up this game uh, up their game right now and in the, in the craziest of times, I think it's the best time to change. Any advice for them? I mean, absolutely. And, and listen, this time is not good for anyone, but we have really stepped up our game. And um, so I have a few goals and I've communicated them on a daily basis to my team. And, you know, right now my goal is to over communicate. So I think I'm communicating three times more with my past clients and those are clients that are not looking to buy or sell or rent right now those are people who own their properties and they're nervous so i want them to know that i'm here and i'm updating them and they can call me and i'm their support mm -hmm. and there's our current clients who are either in contract or actively looking and i you know need to hold their hands through this and let them know it's okay to do nothing um and then there's our future clients who really had a plan that is not happening because we have to wait. So those are my three buckets of people who I'm communicating to very often. Um, I'm not including my weekly newsletter in that. This is like communicating to these people with targeted messages. Um, I'm trying to share data. I'm trying to share personal feelings and be a little vulnerable and transparent. I'm trying to also let them know I'm supported and then share my experience as an agent who've been through some harder times, right? So, and, and seen markets. So it's, a, it's an approach, a data approach and support and all that together. We've also rolled out some new technology and, and like the video tour, which I think is here to stay. And I think it'll be everyone's first step in so going to physically see a property. We've also like completely upped our social media market three times more than we were before and getting messages those same messages out there um and you know and i'm letting my team know that they need to let their clients know and their sphere and the people around them whether they're buying or selling or renting or nothing that we're accessible to them um so that's the goal i mean we're working every day i sit at my computer from nine to four every day and my goal is to accomplish at least one or two things every single day for my clients, for my team and for myself. Yeah, that, that, that is amazing. And that is just a, a bunch of nuggets of information. And let me just tell you, it's not easy to work from home and be disciplined. And I, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life, ever, ever, ever since out of college, and I was a trader um, and then started hotspothaven.com and then started Urban Digs. And I've always worked from home and I always find the hardest thing to do is the discipline to do the work. 
because you're so tempted to do something else. And I'm not telling you not to go enjoy yourself and, and go for walks and do that, but you got to find the time for work and you got to do it. So I love how you said, I am, I am working from nine to four. I am working. Um, and that's Absolutely. what you got to do. Thanks, Stacey, for all you have been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us um, from Compass. This is Noah and John. We are from Urban Digs. We are talking Manhattan, and we're going to catch you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.